I don't remember a time when it seemed more appropriate to have a liturgy of silence. When I read my emails late last night, many of them um, from friends all over the country um, were uh, listserv letters, things that had gone out to lots of people. And they were all, um, many of them, many of them were reminders <clears throat> or encouragements or consolations or things to say that people felt they could say to support people in their prayers. And of course, prayers for the people whose lives are immediately touched by kin and relationship by what happened and prayers for the people who died yesterday. And many of them said, um, pray that your heart stays open. And I had two emails that said speechless, which is, I think, what we mostly feel. When you came in this morning, um, the chant that you heard was a chant of uh, Sri Lankan nuns chanting the Metta Sutta. May all beings, all living things, all creatures, all individuals, all personalities, all females, all males, all nobly born, all not nobly born, All deities, all humans, all beings on other realms. May all beings be free from enmity, free from mental suffering, free from physical suffering. May all beings live with ease. I think the next thing from speechless, the next thing up from speechless is prayer. And resolve. This morning, when uh, some of us came at 7 o'clock, we, uh, as we do every month on the second Wednesday of the month, we recited precepts together. seems like the right thing to do. seems like whatever else we ever do or talk about. We do or talk about because we've come here to rededicate ourselves to the possibility of having an open heart. We took the refuges and said the precepts. The formula for the refuges 
I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha, is a formula. When I think about it, what I think about when I say I take refuge in the Buddha is I really believe that it's possible for human beings to have a clear mind and a loving heart. I think that's the gift of a human incarnation. In the Metta Sutta, when it says all deities, it means um, entities on angelic realms. Not deity, actually, in the normal way that we think of it in the West, but means um, angels, really. And when it says all beings in lower realms... It uh, means without um, without disrespect, um, animals, all other animals besides human beings, then has human beings in the middle of it. Actually, in the whole of the Buddhist cosmology, there's a list of realms, and human beings are right in the middle of them. And it's said to be the most fortunate incarnation to have a life as a human being. Because we have hearts capable of changing through empathic and compassionate response. Uniquely amongst animals, we can have an impulse to do something that comes from lust or greed or anger and decide not to do it, not out of fear of punishment, but because it breaks our hearts to do it. We have the possibility, through encounter of our own compassionate heart, to restrain ourselves, to live amicably, to share, to take care of each other. to nurture more than our own kin, to see past our own kin. And look at the pain in the world today. Realize how that pain comes out of seeing otherness, people different than I am, in every way. And the pain that comes out of that, the pain that comes from preserving otherness. <coughs> the suffering that comes from that. It's possible for human beings not to do that. As I sat this morning here, I realized that 
I am only now beginning to be able to bring my mind a little bit close to the images that are burned into our minds from seeing them all day yesterday. Most of the people that I met throughout the day yesterday said, I feel like I'm looking at a movie. It's impossible to think that it's real. Even when you see the image, and the really amazing effect of that image literally burned into the mind, you don't see people. You don't see people in the airplane and people in the building. An airplane full of people and a building full of people. I have a feeling if the whole world could see that, the inside of that, and all the people that those people are connected to, and all the people that they're connected to, it would be impossible to do any harm to anyone. That's what I think about when I think about taking refuge in the Buddha. Having a mind that's aware of the possibilities of suffering in the world. On my way here this morning, I stopped to get coffee in a bagel shop. My young man that served me the coffee, we just passed a few phrases back and forth, as you do when you buy coffee. Um... And I, I, I don't know exactly what words I said. I said, it's different today than yesterday, something like that. And he said, yes. And then he looked at me and he said, uh, yesterday was my birthday. So I said, how old were you? are you? He said, I'm 19. Just looked at each other for a minute. He had a, it's hard to know how he felt. But there was something in the looking at each other. I heard a news commentator yesterday, sometime in the morning, just as it was just unfolding early in the morning, saying that the people who were uh, walking around the streets of lower Manhattan were looking at each other and saying, you know, People in Manhattan don't usually look at each other. But people were looking at each other, really in the face, as if they wanted to find somebody alive in there that they could connect with and talk to who might say something meaningful, might say something that would make this meaningful. And nothing makes it meaningful, really except I heard a uh, grade school principal on the radio today giving 
some advice, talking about what she had done with her grade school students yesterday. She said they need to be reassured that they're safe. And of course we do. But there's a way, a much larger way than just knowing that there are people in the world planning these kinds of things that we're not. So I also think about that when I'm saying this morning I take refuge in the Buddha, that it's possible to see, really, the the terrible consequences of not clear mind, the terrible consequences of lust, lust for power, lust for revenge by anyone. Think to myself, I take refuge in the Dharma. I think about Dharma in a very broad way. Of course, it means the teachings of the Dharma is a a Sanskrit word. Actually, Dhamma and Pali means what the Buddha taught. It also means what's true and what's real. I think about all the great spiritual traditions that sustain and human beings all over this world that have endured, that all have as their fundamental core kindness and compassion and love and morality. and good behavior that endure as, as religious traditions for human beings because they resonate with the goodness of the hearts of human beings. I found myself telling yesterday not only my grandchildren but my friends, my children with whomever I spoke what we assured each other adult to adult is that most people are good. Most people are good. All over the world, most people are good. I think about I take refuge in the Dharma. It's really I take refuge in understanding goodness and the teachings of goodness all over the world, in every culture and every religion. I think about the same when I think about I take refuge in the Sangha. Actually, Sangha is a term that was exclusively used for the uh, robed community, for the community of people who became nuns and monks with the Buddha and later on after him. So it was called the Sangha. It meant the Sangha of people in robes, people vowed to monastic life. We've come in the West and here to use it as our community. We we mean it as our congregation. We mean it as those people who share with us the 
hope that we can transform our hearts. And through that, the hearts of the world. So I think about it not only in the Spirit Rock congregation and the Buddhist congregations in this country, but all the congregations in this country. Really all the people in this country who are dedicated to lives of kindness. As I drove um, around yesterday doing different errands in San Rafael, different places, listening to the news, I passed by different churches and um, was wonderful to see heartbreaking and wonderful to see that everyone had a sign outside, vigil happening, come in. I had a message on my answering machine from the congregation I belong to in Santa Rosa saying we have a prayer service tonight. We had a prayer service here last night. We had signs go up between yesterday and today, outside, that Shelley made yesterday, announcing us. In the, in the wake of this most terrible day, there was a moment when I saw the signs, and I realized that until now, we've been here 10 years, very quietly, with a little sign that said Spirit Rock Meditation Center and who knew what we did here and all of a sudden this morning in big red letters it said what we do here and as you drove in you probably saw a sign relatively new that said this is Spirit Rock Meditation Center this community is dedicated to diversity did you see that? It always was, but we need to say that. In every way, diversity, that every single kind of person, old and young and able and not so able, and woman and man, every possible ethnicity, every possible situation in life should know that not only is this a place open to everyone, but dedicated to everyone seeing everyone else as everyone, as us. Just as a mother would give her life to save her one and only child, just so should we towards all beings open our heart. This is the last um, stanza of the Metta Sutta. Imagine what the world would be like if every single being in it was our one and only child. There's really nothing to do 
I imagine it's true in every congregation, in every tradition, in every denomination of every tradition, that when we come to a place like this, that we look at fundamental scripture and say, this is what we have to say. Love everyone as ourselves. Don't see anyone as different. Keep your heart open. Dedicate yourself to it. you want to, if it fits you, we'll say in English three times those three refuges. You can think it, you can feel it, you can say it. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in the Sangha. For the second time, I take refuge in the Buddha. For the second time, I take refuge in the Dharma. For the second time, I take refuge in the Sangha. For the third time, I take refuge in the Buddha. For the third time, I take refuge in the Dharma. For the third time, I take refuge in the Sangha. There are five precepts that lay people take. Normally, in fact, most often, they sound to me like five different reminders. Sometimes they seem to me like one reminder. In fact, up to today, the one reminder that they have always seemed like to me is the fifth precept. Fifth precept is I undertake the precept to abstain from intoxicants that cloud the mind and lead to heedlessness. And I've always understood intoxicants to mean anything that confuses us that we take in willfully a substance that confuses us, or a mind state that confuses us, or an activity that develops a mind state that confuses us, so that I count among the intoxicants anger in all of its forms and grudge and indignation, and revenge, and gossip. Mm -hmm. 
and all the other things that you can think of that confuse the mind. Reminds me when I say that precept that really it's a dedication to practice, to make sure that I'm awake. so that I see what I'm doing that's either constructing a view or maintaining a view that's harmful to me or to other people. So I've always understood that fifth precept as a call to waking up, keeping my mind clear. I thought it was a pretty good precept for that because its most literal state. I think about wooziness from intoxicants that we think about. And I think about the kind of wooziness that's not physically recognizable, the wooziness of wrong thought and wrong view, the wooziness that really keeps us from seeing that we are not other from other people. That there aren't any other people. Somebody said earlier today that what what happened yesterday in New York and Washington actually happened to us it did happen to us in whatever way it happened to us either by direct connection it happened to us like it happened to the boy in the bagel store in fact uh, we all got born yesterday in a certain way got born into the rest of our lives um So this morning I thought to myself, the precept that seems most close, when we chanted this morning, we chanted all five of them, but I thought we could have done one. We could have done just the first one. I undertake the, we said vow this morning rather than precept, I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings. The rest of them are actually quite the same as that. The second one is I undertake the precept to abstain from taking that which is not freely given. But the lives that were taken yesterday were not freely given. And the lives of the people who we're connected to those people, the lives of people who are irrevocably changed for the rest of their lives now. Those were taken. <clears throat> Every time we see people as other, or we forget that they are not other, 
we are in great peril of forgetting to take care of them. The precept, I undertake the precept to abstain from incorrect speech. It seems like a very specific precept, only having to do with speaking. But really, it's a way in which we so frequently harm other people. We speak ill of them, or we don't... (coughs) We don't hold them in good regard. Don't think of their needs as we speak. We aggrandize ourselves. When we are not, when I am not absolutely clear about what motivates me. I am likely to see things and say things that will harm living beings. I will even do that feeling I am being honest. I've done that feeling I was being honest. And to the best of what I knew, I was honest. And I didn't know because I wasn't looking hard enough. I wasn't allowing myself to look inside and really know what was happening. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings means I undertake the vow to really look. I undertake the vow to abstain from expressing my sexuality in a way that exploits or abuses. There's a certain way in which most of the time that seems a quite specific vow having to do with a particular energy of the body. Suddenly it seems to me quite intimately part of the vow to not harm. (coughs) Maybe not so much in the way of sexual expression as we often think of sexual expression, but just in the way in which sexuality often as an expression of our maleness or our femaleness, our genderness, and how we hold men and women in our mind and our hearts. And to take the vow to abstain from harming living beings.
And the last is I undertake the vow to abstain from anything that confuses my mind. and allows for heedlessness. So if you want to say them with me, I'll say them and you can say them back. I undertake the vow to abstain from harming living beings. I undertake the vow to abstain from taking that which is not freely given. I undertake the vow to abstain from taking I undertake the vow to abstain from incorrect speech. Undertake the vow to abstain from incorrect expression of my sexuality. I undertake the vow to abstain from anything that intoxicates and confuses my mind and leads to heedlessness. May our may these precepts be the cause of uh, peace and well-being for us and for all beings everywhere. Does anybody know anyone who died yesterday? Would you like to say? Well, I'm not sure he died, but I haven't heard of him yet. Yeah. I actually never met him, but he was engaged to a music mine. Concerned about her. She's uh, she's 19, and uh, she's at college today, in second year, and she doesn't really want to go. And, uh, and she spoke to uh, her aunt, and uh, people were pretty speechless there. And, uh, 
Do you know the name of the man? What's his name? Do you want to light a candle? Anybody else know anyone? Wait, wait, Joe. I'm going to give you that so it'll be easier for the folks in the back to hear you. I don't know his name, but probably all of us saw him yesterday uh, on some part of the news. He was a beautiful young boy somewhere in the Middle East who was cheering with his family, with a group of people. And I can't get that image out of my mind, mm. that mm. he's so sweet and he's so gorgeous. And to have been carefully taught to hate, mm. I would just like to light a candle for him, mm. that he become enlightened, and that his heart open at some time, so that he doesn't have to repeat this horrible business that we're in the midst of. <clears throat> Yorker, and um, she was telling me that her best friend Tommy, a son, is a fireman uh, in in New York, and of course they don't know where he is. And I would like to light a candle for all those heroes. Light a thousand candles for the thousands of heroes that are are, are doing their great deeds. 300 firefighters died yesterday 
and 250 police people died. This morning on the news, there was um, a mother in Saratoga, I don't know if any of you saw it, here in California, whose son was on the plane that crashed. And he called her on his cell phone and said that there were some three men who had taken over the plane who said that they had a bomb. And he said uh, that one man had been shot and there were some of them on the plane who were going to try to do something to stop these men and she said that he was that her son she was so beautiful um, she said that her son had always been a very proactive person and they showed pictures of him with apparently his child um, and uh, she said then there was a disturbance and the connection was broken and the plane crashed about 14 minutes later. And so some people on that plane were really heroes because they stopped that plane from doing what the plan was for it. So I'd like to light a candle for all the people on the plane and especially those who saved other people's lives. I don't um, <clears throat> know this boy personally, but his name is Paul Sloan, and he's from Novato. And he worked in the second trade center on the 90th floor, and he called his mother yesterday uh, from his office and said that the first World Trade Center had gone down, but he was safe. And he called his father to tell him the same thing. And then he called his sister, who lives in New York. And at that point, it was just a big boom, and he, he was gone. So I'd like to oh, um, light a candle in his name, his honor, and for his family. I'd like to light a candle. Um, one of my client's brothers works in the World Trade Center, and he's a new father, and yesterday decided not to go into work, and someone else went. 
in his place to a big meeting they had and um, don't know and my client didn't know who this person was. But I guess the candle is for him and the people who survived and um, the mystery of that action. I don't know what else to say. <coughs> I, I saw the image also of the mother who spoke to her son as he was on the plane and the son he also said I love you and I saw the image of the little girl who thought her dad was in the in the building and she and her mom and sister walked all over New York and found the father alive and I saw the image of the child in Palestine celebrating and I just happened to uh, just this weekend have spoken with a woman who started the trauma services for all the children in Israel uh, 18 years ago during the first bombing. An old friend of mine and she has now worked all over the world with children and showed me the writings of the children from Sarajevo and Bosnia. And I just have been thinking so much about the children in our world and how their world is is not going to be the same and the parents every single parent of every person who was killed yesterday had parents and probably had children and I've been thinking how really asking and praying how can we keep our hearts alive and open with this kind of suffering. So I want to light a candle for all the children and the parents. title that you told us about last year, um, a book about parents who've lost children, and the title is 
the heart that breaks keeps on beating. Mm. And if it's all right, I'd, I'd like to play a piece for, that really is a piece that comes from the heart. Um, this flute is a heart flute, and it's just a, a reed that grows on the earth. And um, I've been thinking how when we can't speak, when our heart breaks, there is breath and music that comes from the earth. I was here at Spirit Rock um, yesterday. I've been here for almost a week. Um, and I was in a, a sitting yesterday um, around one in the afternoon with various teachers and Sangha members. And there was a woman here who was alive during World War II. And she reminded us that at certain times um, when our country was causing great harm and bombing 
Dresden, um, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, that there were people in this country who were in the streets celebrating. So I would like to light a candle for the people who, through their misguided thoughts, celebrate the harm of other beings. I would like to light a candle for all of the animals who thought their families would be coming home last night. I'm on sabbatical right now, but I teach in a high school that has many um, Arab-American students. And when I woke up this morning, I thought of them, and I, I thought, um, I hope the hearts of the people around them uh, are open, um, as all the speculation goes on as to who might be uh, responsible for this, um, this horrible attack. So I'd like to light a candle for them and uh, similar students and, and all the people um, who, all of us actually, whose, whose hearts need to be open at this time. You just said what I wanted to say. Thank you. Before I came this morning, I got a call from uh, my cousin in Israel, and she was very concerned about how we are here in America. And um, she said that in Israel, they're used to living in, uh, on a daily basis with the, the threat of their lives. She also... Um, said that her father, who is 90 years old, had a heart attack and is in the hospital in Israel. And um, I would like to light a candle for the Israelis and the Palestinians and the Jews and the Arabs that they can open their heart and forgive and find a way to have peace.
Oh, yeah, me want to put it back. Yeah, there you go. I, I would like to light a candle for the leaders of the countries and our country in particular that in in any kind of response to this that they think with a clear mind and feel with an open heart. Yesterday, my daughter, who is 15, um, and her three friends went to Drake to our high school in Marin, our relatively white, relatively privileged, relatively entitled high school, um, entirely in tears. I gave them the option of, of staying home because I believe that as long as they're safe, they have the right to grieve how they need to grieve. But I came back at break to see if they were okay, if they wanted to come home. And at that time, there were now 10 or so of them, one of whom, is this random? I don't know. One of whom's father was on a plane to New York for a meeting at the World Trade Center. One of whom's uncle worked in the Pentagon. One of whom's, um, I can't even remember what the other one was, but it was a connection like that. Oh, I know. One of whose brother lived in an apartment in Greenwich Village, just not very far at all from the World Trade Center. And so I went into the office to tell them that I was going to take these 10 kids home with me so they could grieve at home. This was in the middle of mass hysteria with other students saying things like, you would just hear these remarks in passing, like, oh, I would have liked to have seen those bodies toppling from the World Trade Center, or, wow, the Third World War is coming. Um, and I just thought, if they want to come home with me and not be here, that's fine. And I went into the office, and the attendant secretary was in tears with all of these people coming and going, etc. And I just wrote down the names of the, of the kids that I was taking home with me, um, and later, when I went back during the day, it turned out that her daughter's fiancé was an aide at the Capitol. Um, when we got home, I realized what, what an opportunity for teaching this is. These kids were experiencing what's been experienced by most many people in the world of their homeland being attacked, people that they know dying or not dying. They were all in tears. They were all watching the television all day. They were all, as the day progressed, saying beautiful things about why do you think the Palestinians or the terrorists are doing this? Because they're in pain, because they're suffering, because they believe that they've been tortured and oppressed and wounded. Hate breeds hate. Love breeds love. And I had to just go outside and plant asters in gratitude for the fact that these children, these 15-year-olds, who in 10, 20 years will have the capacity and the power to do something about it, are so wide open. Boys and girls sitting there crying and hugging each other. So I'd like to light a candle for the 
the growth of that positive energy, we know that positive action, right action breeds right action, just as wrong action breeds wrong action. Yesterday there was a, a caller, the first caller I heard on the radio, and he had been involved in the bombing of Dresden. And his reaction was that as soon as we had an inkling uh, or, or some very good evidence that there was somebody responsible, that we retaliate in the same way. And he talked about how victorious and righteous he felt when we had bombed our, our enemy in Dresden. And I would like to light a candle that his heart and the hearts of other people who hold that same history and those same feelings open and um, to the possibility that nothing is gained by retaliation, that nothing is gained by wrong action. Um, I want to talk about forgiveness. And recently in a magazine, I, I saw a picture of um, a young Japanese girl who uh, was a victim of Hiroshima and the atomic bomb. And in the article in the magazine, um, they interviewed the person who had dropped the atomic bomb in Hiroshima. And the two of them had gotten together recently, and he had asked her for forgiveness for dropping the bomb. So I would like to light a candle for all of us to ask forgiveness for so much pain and hope that we can rectify that. meeting yesterday in the Silicon Valley, and it happened that the two gentlemen that I had a meeting with, one was from Pakistan and one was from Saudi Arabia, and I was driving down there on the road and listening to people trying to find an enemy, and I wondered how this meeting would go and how I would feel. And and when I sat down with them, I realized that their hearts were startled, just like mine was. It startles the heart. And so, uh, just for all of us whose hearts are really startled, may they stay open.
I came this morning out of a need to be in community, but I haven't been here for a really long time. And as I came and I sat down, everyone else in the room was other. And as people are, sh as Sylvia spoke, and especially as people are sharing, everybody, the circle of me, expanded to include everyone here. And I know deeply that the sense of sort of love and deep caring and just sameness, we-ness, I feel is the process for the world that people have to share from their hearts and that is how other becomes us. And so I guess I'd like to light a candle for the possibility of us-ness for everyone. I'm still pretty overwhelmed. Um, I don't know the names of the people I know who were killed yesterday, but for the last 15 years I've lived about 15 miles away. And um, when the phone lines open, I think the calls will be coming. So I can't say who, but I light a few candles. Is there uh, anyone here other than Joe who's a flight attendant or pilot, works for the airlines? And maybe Joe needs to light again. Joe's been flying for more than 40 years. What I said earlier this morning <clears throat> at our earlier meeting was that um, all the people in the airlines and, and sort of like the like the military, not as uh, not as uh, detailed a training, of course, as the military, but we're all trained every year um, 
for hijackings, for terrorists, for <clears throat> evacuations in case of an emergency. And this morning, I said, just thinking about the crew, and it's the, the cabin crew, and especially the cockpit crew, uh, our responsibility is to take care of you. And uh, for them to have their plane commandeered in such a, a horrible manner, and the terror that must have happened in the cabins for all of the people, it's just, uh, it's just beyond what any of us can comprehend. And so for the crews and their families and, uh, and all the passengers on, the, on those, those wonderful planes that became bombs, um, I have a very close friend who's a flight attendant. Um, she got grounded in LA yesterday and with a number of other flight attendants was able to rent a car and drive back up here last night. And I got a call from her last night asking me where, where can I go and sit? Because that is what she wanted to do and we had been here together this past weekend. And I invited her to come up this morning and. Um, she needed to do something else, and, and that's fine. Um, but what I wanted to do is, is light a candle for um, all the uh, members of any airline who will have to get onto an airplane in the next couple of days when we start flying again, and just the courage that it will take to do that. like to say a prayer again for um, the leadership of this country, that uh, our country, that it has the courage to respond uh, the way the high school students did, uh, the, the woman who shared about her uh, children and the students, that uh, they, can, they can maintain that kind of uh, open-heartedness. My biggest fear is not uh, for the next terrorist attack, but how we will respond to this. So I'd like to pray for that.
Well, I woke up yesterday morning, and my husband had just come back from running, and he whistled at me to turn on the TV, and I thought, well, why does he want me to turn the TV on? So, of course, I heard the awful news, and what I heard was that two American Airlines jets had flown into the World Trade Center, and my sister is a flight attendant for American Airlines, and she lives in New York City, so I immediately felt like someone had punched me in the stomach and was very <coughs> scared that she was on one of those flights. Of course, gratefully, she wasn't. Um, she was home that day. But I would just like to light a candle for all her co-workers that died in those plane crashes yesterday. When I, wish, uh, I very much can relate to the fear of what our leadership will do in this country. Um, so, with my meta training, I've kind of used that, and I'm I'm imagining our president somehow finding the wisdom to really become um, a great statesman. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, I can imagine. Well, I don't think it would hurt for us all to imagine that right now, to somehow finding the wisdom, even if it's because someone points out the political savviness of it to him, that somehow he finds that wisdom and handles this in a humanitarian manner. So I invite you all to envision that. Um, I don't think it could hurt. on that intention for a little bit. That's it for a
I think we could all have that intention in our heart and we could also all follow up that intention with um, an email to uh, the White House or a phone call to the White House uh, in a voice of moderation. Um, in a hopeful voice of moderation, calling for a measured and thoughtful response, recognizing that there's likely to be um, a fair amount of pressure for all kinds of responses, that in addition to the response of the heart, we could actually do something. So I'm inviting you to think about doing that as well. to say something. I think this is on. Um, I'd like to just offer something that Sylvia offered me once on retreat um, that her teacher offered her when um, having a glimpse into suffering that we not close our hearts and become averse to being in the world. So I'd like to light a candle and ask us to feel the pain we feel and to recognize that the pain we feel is compassion and that we sit for a minute with that compassion for ourselves and for all beings everywhere. light a candle for Spirit Rock, that we have this incredible place to come and gather, which after all stands for an open heart with compassion and its teachers who are so devoted on this path, just in gratitude, deep, deep gratitude. I'd like to ring this bell in a minute, and before I do that, um, maybe two images. From all that we've said, um, someone said uh, uh, just uh, in, in when I went outside in, in the foyer for a moment at nine o'clock, 
someone here remembering that um, I have connections in New York and I grew up in New York asked me if any of my family, how was my family? And uh, that person also from New York and I said my family is fine and thank you and hers as well. And I was glad that she asked. I thought afterwards also about um, as we all talked and people shared um, how we recognize on a, on, I, I certainly appreciate and really welcome and that question and also how by nature of other kinds of um, uh, relationships and affiliations we all become family we talk to each other and we hear each other's connections and I think about the fact that I don't have um, blood kin in New York, in the city, but near it. I'm not sure how they are. I didn't call any of the many friends that I have in and around New York City yesterday. It didn't seem like the right day to call, and I knew the phone lines would be terrible. And I didn't want to occupy a phone line for other people who needed it more. And I thought, um, I kept seeing that image of so many people dying in such a fiery way. And I thought to myself, at this point, um, I have many friends who live in and around New York City, and uh, most of them are clergy. And there'll be a lot of funerals this week. Um, um, I was hoping, Marvin, you'd light a candle for them, for people we know and we don't know who are doing the funerals in, in New York City this week. It's not usual for Jews to do funerals without a body. or not to go to the cemetery. So it's one image that I keep having, and just as Bonnie was saying I, about not moving away from it, until I came and sat here quietly this morning, I didn't realize that it's taken me stages to be able to really hold that image in my mind. It's not a movie, not just airplane hitting building, but people hitting people. And so many people dying. Not only the violence and the suddenness, but the fieriness of it. Nothing left. And then I thought that earlier on, I don't know whether it was, I, I really don't know now if it was in our time together sharing or in the earlier time this morning that someone told about the water bottles. Was it here or it was earlier? Early. It was, um, Who told the water she bottles? I'll tell you the story. A um, person told earlier this morning of... Um, 
having heard from someone she knew who worked on the 90th floor who got out, who went down all those 90 stairways, clogged stairways of people um, all going down and filling with smoke and the upper floor is more smoky. And uh, someone coming upon um, a soft drink machine uh, and breaking the door of the soft drink machine and opening it and the people stopping to pass up the bottles of cold drink up the stairwell to the people higher up, passing water up to the people who, by nature of the thickness of the crowd, weren't going to be able to get down quite so soon. And I, I, perhaps it's because it balances somehow the water, the cold water going up somehow is um, a consoling image on top of the fiery image that's so engraved in my own mind and I think in yours. I like to think that that's really the nature of the human heart to stop and pass up cold water the people higher behind us. And um, that we not forget that people are basically very good. Most of the people that we know stop wounded birds on the side of the road. Most of the people that we know really take care of each other, are interested in each other, care about each other. They hear stories about heroism on the airplanes or heroism in the stairwells, uh, people who made it out of the building yesterday and talked about the firefighters who pushed them up against the building and then stood in front of them when there was falling debris to protect them with their own bodies. People are good. Somehow, just this minute it came into my mind when Ajahn Jumnian was here. Last summer he was teaching about when terrible distress arises in the mind, in anger and indignation, pain. He said, just take that distress, put it in your heart, and pour cool water on it. And so through the interpreter, um, because Ajahn Jemnian speaks Thai, I asked him the question that we all had on our minds, I'm sure. I guessed I was speaking for all of us. And I said, please ask Ajahn Jemnian how to do that. (laughs) And all of us have talked about it today. Let's wait. Let's take a deep breath. Let's do metta for the people that we least feel inclined to do it. 
Let's do the metta for the people we think of as the enemies. Let's do the metta for those leaders and advisors in the government that we don't think are leading and advising. Let's be aware of our own thoughts of cynicism or hopelessness. And let's do metta towards those thoughts of cynicism and hopelessness. Forgive ourselves for having them. I think it all begins and ends in our own heart. (coughs) I am going to ring the bell. (coughs) I'll do it a lot of times. Classically, we ring it 108 times for a funeral. I don't know if we'll do the whole 108. Actually, if we were ringing a specific number of times for the degree of this tragedy, there'd be no end of the ringing. For everybody who died yesterday, the fathers and mothers of everyone who died yesterday. For the life partners of everyone who died yesterday. For the children of everyone who died yesterday. For the grandchildren of everyone who died yesterday. For the grandparents of everyone who died yesterday for the aunts and uncles of everyone who died yesterday (coughs) and the nieces and nephews of everyone who died yesterday and the cousins of everyone who died yesterday and the fiancés of everyone who died yesterday and the friends of everyone who died yesterday and the animals at home of everyone who died yesterday. For the young children all over the country who needed to go to school and learn about this yesterday. For all the 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds who haven't known anything like this in their lives. For all the 90-year-olds who are old enough to remember 1940s for the people in all the countries that are shocked because they looked at the United States as being a symbol of freedom a triumph of freedom a haven of safety the death of feelings of safety and security and all the other people in this country, not children, who woke up and got born. For 
for all the nurses and doctors and paramedics and all the medical personnel in all the 170 hospitals in the greater New York area. For the 300 fire people who died. For the 250 police people who died. The news reporters who couldn't leave the scene and needed to spend the whole day directly watching. For the people who came in the night with heavy equipment to look through what was left to find people possibly alive. For the leaders and advisors of this country and every other country who are worrying and concerned and planning and trying very hard to make the right decision. For the people who are rejoicing in confusion. For the confusion of their mind and the pain of hatred and lust and greed console each other and console our friends and get up in the morning and make breakfast and tell each other it's going to be all right. For the clergy all over the place who will be making memorial prayers all over this country and all over many countries and standing with families that they knew and or didn't know until today to whom they suddenly have to say words that need to be meaningful. teachers who are going to need to teach this over and over and over again and try to do it in a way that makes a difference for the next generation. For the babies that got born yesterday into a whole new world.
people in the military up in airplanes guarding the major cities, frightened. For the National Guard on high alert. For the hospitals all over the country counting gurneys to make sure that they're ready in case of an emergency. the emergency agencies that we've heard about for 50 years that haven't needed to move into their programs for moving into their programs. For everyone's confusion and dismay and fear possibility in this moment of entire world paying attention that the entire world wake up to the possibility of what could happen if we do not wake up all of us enough to see that there is no one who is other. There is just us. Nothing else. I'd like to uh, ask you, please, uh, to uh, leave uh, leave the room quiet and uh, go outside. I'd also like to ask you to talk to somebody before you get in your car. Either eat whatever is left over from breakfast or 
make sure to talk to somebody, touch somebody, give somebody a hug, look at a real person and touch a real person before you get into your car. I won't be here next Wednesday. I will be here the Wednesday afterwards. Someone else will be here next Wednesday. Leave the Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.